T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And the home for our Falcons, Hawks, and Atlanta United. Knockdown, it's Always live and free on the Odyssey app. Atlanta Sports Radio, 92.9, the game. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game. It may be the nighttime. But the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local. And not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You, know, you insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Well, don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting from the Kia Studios. It's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you here in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening. With you for the full four. Asking to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much, but you certainly want to listen in on the go. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. You can use your smartphone. You can use your Alexa speakers. You can use your tablet. You can use your Coleco, your Lightbrite, your Palm Pilot, your microwave oven, whatever your device is. Just download it on something to be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 19 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. That, of course, your Water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. We're going to uh, grab uh, downstairs our buddy Wes Blankenship. He's going to be sitting in with me for the first couple of hours. Uh, let me see. Is that Dylan? Uh, no, no. Oh, what a shock. Dylan's not here working on a weeknight of our show or whatever. I'd laugh because Wes tweeted out earlier about, hey, I'm on with Chuckery and Dylan. I'm like, eh, I don't know about all that, you know. Like, no, we don't rarely see Dylan. So it's not Dylan. No, we've got our buddy Josh Hartnett back there uh, behind the glass producing uh, tonight. So Pleasure to be here, sir. Josh Love to be here uh, with you. Josh is going to be hanging out with us, uh, pushing all the buttons, keeping us on air uh, tonight. So um, a bunch to get into. As we say in the South, busier than a one-armed paper hanger. Uh, we're waiting for the college football playoff poll that is coming up. So I don't expect any changes in the top four. Obviously, with Tennessee losing by the way, they didn't just lose. They lost in historic fashion. But 
Tennessee losing, they'll drop. Um, then I imagine everybody else just kind of slides up as far as LSU, USC, Alabama, Clemson, Utah. Um, uh, well, not Utah maybe, but uh, but let's put it this way. LSU, USC, Alabama, Clemson. I expect everybody just kind of bumps up one spot on the uh, on the ladder there. Be interesting to see where they put uh, Tennessee. Um, if they put them in the top ten, if they fall out of the top ten, where they where they end up with all of this? Because you had Carolina lose, right? You had uh, you had uh, Utah lose. Um, you know, I mean, so you've had several things uh, going on um, over the weekend. But uh, we'll see what the we'll see what the college football playoff polls. No doubt about it, Georgia will be number one in the nation. And look, we'll talk about this with West, but. Georgia wins this week against Georgia Tech. They're in the playoff no matter what. Won't, won't really matter what happens. Win or lose in the SEC title game, Georgia going in at 12-0, defending national champs, best team in college football. They will be in the playoff regardless of what happens in the SEC title game or otherwise. So we'll keep you up to date about what goes on there. Uh, Hawks last night, they lose to the Cavaliers. Um, you know, they got down big early. They were down double digits after the first quarter. Chipped away at it in the second and third, but just did not have enough uh, in the fourth. So they lose 114-102, fall to 10-7 and uh, on the season. And, look, knew this was going to be a tough game for the Hawks. But as I explain, starting tomorrow night, and I'll be at the uh, Hawks game coming up tomorrow night as they take on the Sacramento Queens. So starting tomorrow night, the schedule definitely opens up for the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, if you look at – from tomorrow night until the end of the calendar year, so the end of 2022, things definitely start to open up. Now, the Kings are 9-6 and six on the season, so that's not bad. They've won six in a row. That's, that's how they've gotten to where they are right now. But, you know, again, coming here and playing on the East Coast, uh, you know, and all that good stuff, we'll see what happens, especially the day before Thanksgiving and everything else going on. But, um uh, that'll be a good matchup tomorrow. Night. The return of Kevin Herter, right? As he comes back here to State Farm Arena. So, but it definitely opens up with the Orlando's and Charlotte's and Pistons, Miami and Chicago. The, the Hawks before the end of the calendar year, they'll play all five of the bottom teams in the Eastern Conference, and they'll mix in Brooklyn uh, into that mix as well. And then you throw in, you know, Memphis, Denver. But you're also going to see, I think, Oklahoma City's on there. The Lakers are on there. The Rockets are on there. So, or not the Rockets, but uh, but the Lakers and um, I think Oklahoma City is on there. So, look, a lot of opportunity, a 19-game stretch for the Hawks to kind of get right. And, you know, they sit at 10-7 and right now. I've said I think they need to be 13-6 and in that 19-game stretch. So, give me a 13-6. and Get yourself to, you know, what, about 10 games what would that be? Nine, ten? No, it'd be ten games. Ten and seven, then you get seven games above. So ten games above five hundred going into the year of our Lord, two thousand and twenty-three. So Hawks taking on the chin, but back at it, a quick turnaround back here at home, uh, and we'll have the game, of course, right here on the home of the Atlanta Hawks Sports Radio nine ten. The game that will be a seven o'clock pregame, seven thirty tip. Steve Holman and uh, Mike uh, Mike Connie will have the call for all of that. Falcons, uh, they get ready for Washington off today. Look, a really good win. I, I, I am laughing, though, you know, because so much about, oh, well, you know, uh, the Bears have been so close and they're a better team. Now that the Falcons have beaten them, now everybody's like, oh, the Bears aren't a good team. Oh, well, the Bears aren't very good. Well, that's not what y'all said the week before. Y'all said that they, you know, their offense has been so good. 
Fields had been so good. You know, we made a mistake in the franchise and blah, 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 blah. And now they are the worst team in the NFC. They were already, by the way, the, the Bears were already dead last in the playoff standings in the NFC before the Falcons beat them on Sunday. That was a good win. And I said on air, hold Justin Fields under 100 yards rushing. The, the Falcons can win that game. They did. And I thought that game was going to be played in more of the mid to low 20s. It got in the mid 20s. But good win. And the defense, again, opportunistic. Four sacks. We talked about that. Uh, they got the turnover late on Hawkins. Final drive of the game to seal it. That's how their defense is. Their defense is statistically not great, but they're opportunistic. They find ways at times to create a turnover, gain a sack, do what they have to do to close out a game, and they did that on Sunday. And they got just enough offense. And we'll talk, you know, uh, Falcons all through the uh, uh, Falcons all through the show. But look, they—I'll um, I'll give the stat again, and I tweeted this. Uh, I tweeted this out. That when Marcus Mariota, when he throws it, when he has 20 or less attempts, they are 4-1 and one on the season. When he has 21 or more attempts, they're 1-5. Let me repeat that. 20 or less, 4-1. and one. 21 or more, 1-5. I know, I know, I know. Random happenstance, nothing to see here. Pure coincidence doesn't mean anything. I know, I know. It's just one of those cosmic things that just happens in the universe. I have told you consistently all year long, that is the dividing line. Not 25, not 30. I had somebody uh, uh, the other day was saying like, well, what about when he, when he throws at 30? They're 0-2. That's the Saints and the Panthers that Thursday game 10 days ago, 12 days, 11, whatever days ago. 20 is the sweet spot, folks. You can keep your head buried in the sand about what keeps this team successful in the passing game. And we'll talk about all the news and notes. Tons of news. Obviously, Pitts on IR. Does he come back? We will also talk at 740 to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney, as uh, no show tomorrow night. Because uh, uh, actually, after what we're doing now this week and through the World Cup is Jason Longshore and now I forget who the uh, who the girl was that calls the uh, Charlotte FC games, but they've got a uh, a show on late at night here that we are you know discussing all things World Cup, which by the way, um, not a good tie for the USA. Hopefully, they find a way to beat uh, England on Friday. But uh, again, uh, Jason, you know they'll have all of that. That coverage uh, for you here. What, uh, Josh? Remind me again. Who is the girl from Charlotte FC that's on with Jason? Uh, Jess Jess Sharman. Jess Sharman. So Jess Sharman and Jason Longshore. Well, are they going till midnight? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, they usually go from you know whenever we pop them on until right, twelve right. o'clock. Yeah. Okay, all right. So they've got you covered all week and next week, I believe, um, as well for all of that. So, but uh, anyway, uh, we'll talk some Falcons football throughout the show. Uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, it is rivalry weekend. Um, lots to get into there. Um, look, I talked with Mike Griffin about this on Saturday. He's on our college football game time show. We talked to Mike from uh, Dog Nation. And I asked him, you know, look, 
Georgia has nothing to play for over a couple of weeks. Is there any kind of concern about, you know, this kind of being just kind of sleepwalking through? Oh, no, 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 no. It's different. Culture's different. And I understand the culture's different. But I was concerned about not Kentucky beating Georgia as we're joined by Wes Blankenship here in the Kia Studios. Wes, thank you for – Severely underestimated the Thanksgiving week traffic. Listen, it is a disaster out there. Yeah, we don't have a traffic segment here, but – now, we have our buddy Will Guerra that does, not, yeah. not on our show, but during the late afternoon, our buddy Will Guerra does traffic. It's, it is awful. It, trust me, I know. One I, of the la- dumbest moves I've ever done. Last I'm, night, I'm glad you're still having me here tonight. Last night, I had to drive from, I had to pick, it was my daughter's birthday. I had to pick her up in Canton. We went down to Ponce City Market. Well, we had to pick her friend up. We went to Ponce City Market, Man. did all that, and then drive back up to Canton. Like, I just got home 10 minutes ago. You may have been the only person to have ever done that in mm-hmm. the history of Pont City Market. That is a haul, brother. It is. I, I Honestly, I thought maybe if I just drop my daughter off, I'll just come back to studio and sleep here. It just might be easier that way. <laughs> but anyway, you know, you know, Wes, I just bring it up. You heard me just talking about the Georgia thing. Um, look, Kentucky was never going to beat. By the way, for all this talk about Kentucky, top 10 NFL quarterback, first team all SEC running back. They scored 18 total points against Georgia and Tennessee combined. So I never felt like they were going to win that game, but I do think that there is a bit of a sleepwalk when you don't really have something to play for. Yeah, well, John, the the thing with Georgia, and I've heard, you know, Georgia doesn't need style points. They don't need style points. But I think Georgia fans have every right to be frustrated about the fact that you can't score from fourth and goal on the one. That's not a style point. That is not executing. Right. Kirby Smart doesn't like that either. So it's a fine line. Were they sleepwalking? I don't know. I think a lot of the people that may have been just scoreboard watching throughout the day, they say, oh, you know, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, they're all struggling. Georgia dominated Kentucky physically. I mean, the game wasn't really ever in doubt. No, no. It just wasn't uh, on the scoreboard. Again, with all due respect to Kentucky, they they are not going to beat Georgia. You could play that game 25 times. They're not going to beat Georgia. That's just, I mean, again, for all the talk about NFL quarterback, first-team LSC running back, yeah, physical and all, that's great. Their offense is anemic. And I don't know, I mean, I know their wired receivers aren't great, but their offense is anemic. It was anemic against Tennessee. Look, they had what? They had a 10, I think they had a 10-play and a 12-play drive that didn't score a point. Kentucky did in that game yeah Levis I feel like Levis made the Georgia game his Super Bowl he tried a lot harder specifically running the ball I don't know if Georgia really had much of that in their practice notes because he was so banged up going into the game but he had a lot of NFL draft stock on the line and with that 99 yard drive he made some plays Georgia's defense was aggressive and and Levis showed that he's got the arm Still think he's a little overrated from where he was coming into the season. Right, He's a good quarterback, and uh, he showed some things against Georgia's defense that I don't know if they were fully expecting, or maybe it was an element of sleepwalking. We'll talk more about the uh, the Georgia game and what they got coming up here in the uh, next segment. I uh, also want to mention, too, that Atlanta United, they hired Garth. Blame it all on my roof. No, 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 they, no, not that Garth. They didn't hire that Garth. No, it, we, we didn't hire Garth Brooks. No, we hired Garth 
Lagerway oh. as the new president from the Seattle Sounders. Not many Garths out there. Yeah, there's not. Like uh, that's kind of an underrated name out there. But no, uh, I saw no, a meme we, the other day. It was yeah, just yeah. He's sad. not coming in here to do a concert or anything like that. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's a sad photo of Garth Brooks, and it said, "When you find out that you're the friend in low places, wow, you don't want to be that friend." That is maybe the greatest sing-along song though of all time, is it not? Friends in low places. I mean, does anybody not know the lyrics to that song? When you've had about four Miller Lights and you're in a bar with a bunch of your buddies, you find a way to know all the words. Yeah, and, you know, that is like the ultimate let's play it on the jukebox and get everybody going kind of song. Oh, yeah, baby. What what year, hey, what year Josh, does it say that that song? I'm going to say that that song came out in, was it 89 or 90? I'm going to guess 92. See what uh, Josh comes up with there, because I know I know it came out before I moved to Atlanta. What you got, Josh? This song was released um, on his No Fences album yes. in 1990. Yeah, oh. because because the 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 uh, follow up album I think is Rope in the Wind, and that like debuted at number one. That was right before I left, because No Fences got this Thunder Rolls and yeah. all kinds of good songs on there. He had it all, man. Yeah. Uh, you, you I, can't I always be... found the lyrics to um, that. What's I, I'm, I'm blanking on the title of the song, where he has the romantic rendezvous with like the older woman, and he talks about her skin of leather. I always found that line to be a little jarring. You sure that wasn't uh, one of your thoughts on a Friday night? Anyway, mm. when we come back, the best thing that happened to Georgia didn't even involve their game. West Blankenship, John Sheckery, hanging out in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game back with you on the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out the Kia Studios Tuesday night with you. That summer, John, that was the song yes, title. Yes, that summer, yes. Thank you to the uh, textures who got us uh, that. That is the voice of Wes Blankenship. He is hanging out with me here for the first couple of hours of the show. 404-741-0929. That, of course, our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line if you want to leave us a comment. Uh, Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. He is at Wes underscore Inship. I am at JMCH316. We got our buddy Josh Hartnett producing the show here tonight with us. All right. let's uh, Before we get into this Georgia talk and pay off the tease, um, Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, TCU 4, LSU 
is up to number five, Southern Cal six. Then it's Bama, Clemson, Oregon, Tennessee rounds out your top ten. I have said this for the last couple of weeks, and it is 100% certainty. I'm telling you, if LSU beats Georgia, they are in the playoff as a two-loss team. You're waving a LSU flag in here. You got one of those No, I think Georgia's going to roll it myself. That, that spreads, you know, spreads up to like 16 and a half already. I'd, I'm interested to see spreads throughout SEC championship game history mm-hmm. and see where that one ranks. It's got to be up there. I would figure the biggest the biggest spread mismatch was what was that the Cam Newton team that played uh, Spurrier's South Carolina team that one uh, he played Missouri no he? was that South Carolina uh, yeah, be, uh, yeah Auburn Auburn played was, Auburn did play Missouri with uh, Nick Marshall yes yep. that was that was Gus and those guys but the Cam Newton team that was against Spurrier in That's South right. Carolina yep uh, and that, Spurrier people don't appreciate enough. What he did at South Carolina. Oh yeah, I, I got. I'll, I'll do you one better. It's legendary. They don't appreciate what he did at Duke. He won the <laughs> ACC. He won the ACC at Duke. That's a deep cut. Yeah, I mean, at, listen, he was a good USFL coach too. While we're at it, no, I love Spurrier. He's one of my favorites of all time. All right, um, I said that the best thing that happened to Georgia West didn't even involve their game, and I'll tell you why. And this ties into what we just talked about. The best thing that happened to Georgia on Saturday was Georgia Tech beating North Carolina. Oh, because yes. that gave Kirby Smart something all week to talk about and point to. Because look, that game is a 35 point spread right now. But you know what Kirby's saying right now? Hey, they just went on the road and beat the number 13 team in the country. They just beat a team who averaged over 40 points a game. Mm-hmm. They just beat the number nine offense in the country. They went out there and only gave up 17 points. Hey, man, you take these guys lightly. They're going to come in here, and they're going to be motivated because they can get a bowl off. game. Yep, they, they got a shot to get a bowl game. That was the best thing that happened to Georgia because now you have to be focused on making sure that you handle your business. Do I think that Tech has any real chance to beat Georgia? No, but this is Kirby Smart's way of having a chance to grab a hold of their attention this week. He's got something to tell them, and if Kentucky was any preview of how he'll feel about Georgia Tech just by listening to what he said, he emphasized how physical Kentucky was mm-hmm. all week last week. Yep. He does it every year. He starts the week this week, Monday more, uh, Monday afternoon press conference. What does he say about Brent Key's teams and his offensive lines? They're physical. I don't know how Georgia goes about that at practice. I don't know if they ratchet that up. At this point in the year, you really can't. You got to try to keep guys healthy. Can't really practice that physicality. But if Kentucky was a preview – Georgia may try to uh, play this one in a little bit of a phone booth, too. They don't need any style points to impress the committee at number one. No, and, and I agree with you that, uh, look, um, you keep it simple. Um, you, you, get, you get through it all. And, look, you know, it wasn't exactly a Heisman caliber performance from Stetson Bennett on, on Saturday. 19 passes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a guy who's, by the way, been averaging a crap ton, I mean, you know, he's – but – no touchdowns, had the one interception. Um, they ran the football really well, 247 yards, averaged over five yards a carry. I expect that same blue. I wouldn't be surprised if you told me that if you told me that Stetson was around 20 attempts this week, I wouldn't be surprised at all by that number again. This isn't breaking news, John. I mean, I think you see Stetson week in and week out. You can maybe piece this together, but he's not 100%. No one is at this point in the right. year. 
But Stetson especially is banged up. You saw the trainer in the Mississippi State game massaging his arm. Everyone kind of laughed at that nervously and uncomfortably. But he's banged up, man. I mean, I think there's something to this limited snap count right now. Don't put him back there to get teed off on. Not that he does. He's he's mobile. But limit the shots that he's taking. Well, I, I'm not going to be surprised if Carson Beck doesn't get some run uh, in this game on Saturday. And I'll tell you the other thing, too, is, look, LSU, one of their strengths is their defensive line. And they get after quarterbacks. They put a lot of heat on quarterbacks. We're going to see Ojolari, um, you know, Aziz's brother, mm-hmm. you know, in the SEC title game. They get after quarterbacks. And so, to your point, no reason to get him beat up this week. You know, you get in, you get out with a victory. I think they'll handle their business fairly easily. But I expect, you know, if this thing is like 35 nothing at the half. And remember, the last two times these teams played, remember, they did not play in the pandemic uh, year. Right. The last two times these teams have played, you know, what the, you know what the aggregate score is? Is it like 70 to like 70 to something in the teens? 97 to 7. Wow. Wow. I think back to last year, and uh, the lasting image of that game is Brock Bowers just slicing through that Georgia Tech defense. But that Tech team was lost. They were lost under Jeff Collins. And he tried to bring a lot of new age, focus on the culture, focus on the brand. How's that working out? He wasn't wrong to do it, but he tried to manufacture it. Kirby Smart knows what his team's identity is, and he just emphasizes it. Well, I'll say it like this. I remember Jeff Collins' first year with Tech, and Hugh Douglas and I went to the spring game, and we were on the sidelines for it. And Hugh and I were joking about, you know that old saying about, you know, you win the game when the kids step off the bus like you look at that team? and Okay, Tech didn't look like that. Tech didn't look like a team that could intimidate you walking off the bus. And that, to me, was the number one problem. I know we said Sunday players and all that and and everything, but – you know, again, before you worry about culture, how about we find players that, that can play out there? But anyway, um, look, I, I do think it's a simple blue plan for Georgia Tech um, this weekend. Uh, yes, they have bigger fish to fry. This is win advance to your point. There's no style points either. Georgia 12-0 and heading into LSU is in the playoff. They're not dropping to five if they lose to – I don't care if they get beat by four touchdowns to LSU. They won't drop Georgia out who's been – by the way, too, do you know that this is – you're the you're the Mr. Georgia guy. Do you know that this is the Georgia team that has spent the most weeks at number one in program history? I did not know that, but yeah. it makes sense to me. Last year they spent nine weeks at number one. This week they have spent, I think it's uh this is now I think ten weeks at number one or ten or eleven weeks at number one now. Ten weeks, I believe, at number one. Alabama drops a spent. couple games. That probably helps you. Mm-hmm. And you look at uh, – And we're talking about the AP poll, by the way, because the sure. college football playoff poll is only three weeks old or whatever like that. But this is the most weeks that Georgia has spent at number one in a season in the AP poll. And mm-hmm. I think this is 10 or 11 weeks or something like that that they've spent. It feels like behind Georgia, and even within Georgia, in certain games, the top four haven't done a whole lot to separate themselves. Right. I still think Georgia's on a tier of its own, but it's not a huge step up to that podium. It's a it's a dominant physical team, but they're inexperienced and they rarely put together four quarters of dominant ball. They can when they need to, but they haven't done it every single game by any means. I still think Georgia's the best team in the country. Um, I, I 
Are they as dynamic as what some teams can be? No. But you look at their offensive balance, they're the most balanced offense in the country. I think they have the best defense in the country. I think they have the best combination offense-defense in the country as well. I think they. I think right now they have the best head coach uh, in college football. That I think everything everything still tells you that they are the best team. With all due respect to Michigan, Southern Cal, TCU, you know Ohio State, everybody else in there. I'm not saying that those teams are bad because I'll I'll say it like this: Ohio State's offensive personnel is better than anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. Their personnel. You give me Marvin Harrison, Ibuka. You you give me you give me uh, Stroud. You give me Henderson, Mayan Williams. You know, you give me all of their – and their offensive line. You give me all of those guys, their personnel is better than anybody. They don't play like that, though. And, you know, I've got my own issues with Ryan Day and stuff like that. I think he's the number one reason why they won't win a national title is because he doesn't know what to do with all that personnel. But – Not I, many people would. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, there. you know, there's an old saying about sometimes you have too many guys to coach. Yeah. That's what they have right now. I mean, he doesn't know – he doesn't know how to use it and the flow of the dictated. Look, when they when they played, you know, without getting too deep in this, when they played Penn State, they kept trying to run the ball and throw bubble screens, and Penn State had the whole box loaded up. But every single time that Ohio State dropped back and spread them four and five wide, they couldn't stop it. Couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop Marvin Harrison Jr. when they spread them out four or five wide. What does Day do? Let's run it up the middle. Let's throw bubble mm. screens. And they got eaten up on that. You can't same overthink against, yourself. Same thing against Northwestern. 50-mile-an-hour wins – Let's let Stroud go back there and huck it around in 50-mile-an-hour wins. Couldn't do anything. You know, when they, you know when they figured their offense out? When they incorporated Stroud in the running game, mm. and he had that 43-yard run that turned that game around. When they started running the football, that, so when they need to pass, they run. When they need to run, they pass. But um, anyway, that's a them problem out of all, all of it. But, um, and I'll, I'll say this. I think the SEC is very happy that LSU is coming into town in a couple of weeks because they're going to travel – they got nothing to lose. This is going to be a great environment for them. I've been to LSU, Georgia at the SEC title game. Brother, it's always a party tailgating that day. It's never close. <laughs> yeah, it's I'll not. I'll say that. Right, one way or the other. It's never yeah. close. Yeah, but it's a party. I can tell you that. Like, that crowd will be here and be in full force, and it will be a raucous environment. I mean, not that it's not already raucous, but I think that LSU and that element coming into Atlanta of – the the festivity of it, I think it's good. I think it's fantastic for the SEC. I learned curse words that I had never heard before when I was thirteen years old, I believe, and LSU came to Atlanta to play mm-hmm. in that 03 SEC championship game with Saban, and it was a rematch because uh, Georgia played them earlier in the year in Baton Rouge, and it was like a thirteen seven game or something close. And these LSU fans were on their brown liquor on the MARTA train with me and my dad. And they were in my grill, man. They're relentless. If their team is as relentless as the fans are, they got a shot to punch Georgia in the mouth. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't think the game is going to be overly close um, when all is said and done. Um and I was going to say, I, that's the game I – let's see, which one did I go to? Yeah, I was at the 0-3 game because that's the one where LSU blew them out because yeah. we were sitting in the end zone. That's the game where David Marcus Green – That's David the game Green. where David Green had that pass over the middle of the field yep. that was wide open and he missed, missed that throw, right? That would have been a touchdown. It may have been to Leonard Pope. That sounds about right. Maybe. I think it was one of the tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, and it changed the whole dynamic of the game. Yeah, because the 0-5 game is DJ Shockley – and I was at uh, I was at Chops that night. That was my birthday. I was at Chops uh, that night. Shock unloaded on the 
Bayou Bengals. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they rolled LSU that night. So, all right, when we come back, Tori McElhaney, our friend of the show. Normally, we talk on Wednesdays, but because we don't have a show tomorrow night, we'll talk to her as we get ready for Falcons and the Washington Commodores, or whatever they're called <laughs> nowadays. That's all next. Chuckery and West Blankenship hanging out in the Key Studios, Sports Radio, ninety ten on the game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is a John Chuckery Show, live on this Tuesday evening with you uh, as we get ready for Falcons in Washington coming up this weekend. Of course, big win for the Falcons over the weekend against the Chicago Bears. And, of course, we've got a short week and a lot going on with the holidays and everything like that. So we head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Normally we talk to her on Wednesdays, but with kind of the crazy holiday week, we're talking to her this evening. Of course, Tori McElhaney is joining us. You can check out uh, all of her work as she covers the Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com and follow her on her Twitter page at Tori underscore McElhaney. Tori is always appreciated. Always feels good to come off a win as we uh, get ready to feast for a big holiday weekend. You know, everybody is so much happier after a win, me included. It makes my job so much easier. <laughs> you know, let's start, Tori, with um, – Saw where Pro Football Focus had the Falcons as the number one offensive line graded out for this particular week. And I know it's not sexy and things like that. And, you know, for a team that has had its issues, you know, especially against Derrick Brown in Carolina, at least for a week it's good to see that that was a really good bounce back considering how bad it was that Thursday against Carolina. They really did a nice job of bouncing back this past Sunday getting back on track. Now Washington's going to provide a a whole nother set of challenges, but for at least a week to bounce back like that, I thought was a really encouraging sign. Yeah, I think so too, because I remember when, you know, we're, we're up in Carolina, we're up in Charlotte and I was talking to, I believe it was Chris Lindstrom in the locker room after that loss. And he was very candid in the fact that he felt like this offensive line just wasn't clicking. I believe his words to me were, were, were like, we didn't start it, the start that we had just felt off. It felt wrong. It wasn't, it was, it just didn't feel right. And so I, I think to be able to have that moment of things don't feel right and we don't like the way this is go, this is happening to be able to change that and to go out and perform the way that they did a week later against this bears defense, I thought was really, really important for this group that honestly has started, I believe, four different left guards in the last four weeks. I mean, when you're talking about the synergy of a offensive line, everybody talks about how important like the communication between those five players are. And to have to switch someone out right between Drew Dahlman and Jake Matthews four weeks in a row, that's really tough to do. So it makes sense that there was a little bit of fluctuation. Now I feel like this offensive line, I agree with you, it's getting back on track. And what's really interesting to me about this offensive line is when we were looking at this offensive line, gosh, even in August or right in the middle of training camp, it really did feel like there were a lot of spots up for grabs and there were things that needed to change with this offensive line. And I think a story that is going very much under the radar is the improvements that we have seen Caleb McGarry make at right tackle. That has been we, – we know who Chris Lindstrom is. We knew what he could provide because he's been providing it for the Falcons in the last couple of years, but see, same thing with Jake Matthews, but seeing Caleb McGarry, I think 
play to the caliber of which he's playing has been one of the major storylines of the year that I think people are just overlooking because I've been very, very impressed with what I've seen from Caleb McGarry, not just in the last few weeks, take away Carolina, but this entire year so far. Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joining us here on the WaitFord.com hotline. Tori, let's talk about the bad. Obviously, we got news. Taquan Graham, uh, Kyle Pitts going to IR. Let, let's start with this on the on the Pitts side of it. Do you think that there is a hope and expectation in the building that he comes back? And how much could, let's say, the last week or two of the season, they find themselves into a win or get in, you know, win and get in type of playoff scenario? Do you think their playoff standing could influence? whether or not he comes back on the field? It's a great question, and it's one that I, I think we're still in the process of trying to figure out. I, you know, with MCL tears, which is what has been reported Kyle Pitts has, that is – it's very tricky because you've seen people come back from those relatively quickly, but then you're talking about where we are in the season, and I'm not entirely sure that if Kyle Pitts does have surgery that people are saying are reporting that he's required to have – I'm not sure if he comes back this year from that just because of how far into this season we are. Uh, I'm not writing it completely off, but right now I I think it's probably a worse injury than what anybody expected when you see him get hit and he's down, but then he hops up and runs off the field. I think it's it's much – I think that was a very optimistic moment and you thought that things were going to be okay, but I'm not as optimistic about seeing Kyle Pitts return to the to the active roster this year. Tori, obviously Taquan Graham's a kid that has really kind of taken a nice jump in year two. How much of Grady's success do you think also ties into the fact that Graham has played much better? It feels like those two guys really kind of feed off of one another. And I even like what Anderson has brought in the mix as well. But it really feels like Graham has really helped out Grady. And maybe that's just a symbiotic relationship, those two, you know, both of them improving at the same time. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, that relationship is very, a very, very important one, not just for on the field, but Grady Jarrett has been a mentor of Taquan Graham for a lot longer than Taquan's been with the, with the Falcons. So that relationship in and of itself is very important for both of them. On the field, it is very interesting because all last year, I felt like everything that we talked about, whenever anybody asked me about Grady Jarrett's performance, I said the exact same thing. You have to put someone beside him that's going to help him out. And I think that has been Taquan Graham throughout the majority of this year. I think Taquan – I say, you know, losing Kyle Pitts on the offense, I would honestly say that the impact that Taquan, that losing Taquan Graham has is pretty similar to this defense because I think he has been playing so well for this defense and, and so well beside Grady Jarrett. And I, I do think that you have to – the, way, the thing is, is you have to account for what Taquan Graham is doing. I mean, even though his sack numbers aren't there, what we have seen from Taquan Graham in, in getting to the quarterback, making him uncomfortable in the pocket, is something that I think went overlooked for a few weeks. And now you're sitting there looking at a defensive line without him, and you're like, dang, you're going to miss him. But I will say I was very pleased with what I saw from the depth that I feel like the Falcons have accrued over the course of this season with some guys like 
Abdullah Anderson, Timothy Horn, Jalen Dalton. These are all, it's very interesting too, because if you were to tell anyone back in August that this is what this defensive line looked like, you have Grady Jarrett and you have Abdullah Anderson, Jalen Dalton, and Timothy Horn, I don't think anyone would have believed you because you think about it, all the people that were on the roster over the summer, I mean, even going back further, you had Vincent Taylor and you had Marlon Davis and you had Anthony Rush. This group has looked very, very different almost month to month. So even in that, the fact that the Falcons have been able to develop some of these guys behind and around Grady Jarrett and Taquan Graham, I think is so important as you move forward with the season, potentially without Taquan Graham any longer. It's our weekly conversation with Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com as she joins me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Do you think this is an opportunity? Because, you know, whether whatever Pitts' numbers are and things like that, and I actually broke it down, they actually are targeting him at a higher percentage than they were last year. His first down catches are higher year over year. But do you think this is an opportunity where maybe they use Patterson and split him out a little bit more? We've seen little blips and bloops of that. But maybe without Pitts to draw some attention away from London or away from their other receivers. I know obviously he's your RB1, but do you think that they may use Patterson and split him out a little bit more this week? Yeah, I definitely think that that's a major possibility because I think you saw CP have more opportunities as a receiver more at the beginning of last year. I remember that I feel like we kind of got away from CP the receiver and started becoming he was a true running back for the Falcons. And I feel like that's been the case so far this year. And I know a lot of that has to do with the success that they're having in the run game. Now, when you look at, I think, evolving Cordero Patterson's role in the offense because you lose a guy like Kyle Pitts, I think that is something that could be really important because you think back to CP being on IR. And during that time, you also had Kyle Pitts going through some hamstring stuff. So it, it was a very different dynamic that you had. Now you have a, a Cordero Patterson back, healthy, ready to go, playing, gosh, as well as we've seen him play in a 10-year career. I mean, he breaks the NFL record. And so because of that, I think he does. I think Cordero Patterson just makes you a better offense. And it's what's funny is that's not coming from me. That's coming from a guy like Grady Jarrett who said after the game, we're a better team with Cordero Patterson on the field. So I think even just having the threat of Cordero Patterson to extend you vertically, I think is very important to at least be like, do what you're saying, be able to take some of the pressure off of Drake London. Tori, I know remember you and I were talking at camp about how much Patterson was lobbying to, you know, return kicks, you know, this year. And obviously he breaks the record last weekend. It was, you know, that was tremendous. Uh, you know, obviously he was ticked off after the fumble. But moving forward, are they going to continue, do you think, to use Patterson back there? Was this one of those things where it was important to break the record, but now maybe not overwork him? Or do you think that they say, look, we're just going to keep running him back out there and, and he's our best chance to to make a big play and try to make a big, you know, a big return to to give us better field position? That's a great question, and I feel like if we were to ask Cordero Patterson that question, he would say, never take me off kickoff return, <laughs> because this is a guy who has made his career on special teams. He, he said multiple times how much that's where, that's where he wants to be. Like, yes, the, the running back uh, Cordero Patterson is, is 
has been really great for the Falcons in the last two seasons. But his bread and butter is in special teams, and that's what he loves to do. He has said many times that he doesn't want to give up kickoff return. It was actually funny because I feel like this is a conversation that comes up with Marquise Williams, who's the Falcons special teams coordinator, pretty much all the time, where he's asked, you know, because of CP's role in the offense, do you kind of taper him back a little bit, give more chances to Avery Williams? And he's like, well, if it's up to CP, he'd run out there every single time. And so I, I think it, it, it is kind of balancing how much you do want to give opportunities to CP to do what he wants to do. And I, I mean, if he's productive in it, which we all know he is, then why not? But I do understand the whole, because he is such an important part of this offense, you do kind of have to juggle that decision. Um, and the thing is, is even if they did want to, to take CP off of kickoff return, I think Avery Williams, outside of the fumble that he had uh, last week, I, I do think that he's been very productive in punt return. So I think he can very much translate, translate that over into kickoff return too, if need be. Tori, last question for you, just a minute left. Um, this is going to be a tough challenge for this offensive line this week, and I'm specifically pointing to Drew Dahlman against Jonathan Allen because if you saw Allen last week against the Texans, he completely blew up the interior of their offensive line. couple of sacks, four tackles for loss, hit the quarterback I think four times in the game. You know, it's a. it seems like it's okay. Is it the Carolina, you know, group that got blown up by Derrick Brown? Is it what we saw last week? feels like to me that that's the marquee matchup this week is can the interior of our line handle Jonathan Allen of the Commodores or Commanders or whatever they're being called nowadays? <laughs> yeah, no, I think so too. And, you know, I think we have seen moments where, you know, Drew Dahlman has kind of been here and there. And it, it sometimes I think some people would say that the consistency isn't there. But this is also a guy who's getting his first real taste of starting in the NFL and after – sitting last year and being the backup. So I'm okay that there's a little fluctuation in that. And, uh, you know, it's a challenge. Arthur Smith says it all the time. It's a challenge every week, regardless of who you play, because these are all good athletes in the NFL. But to a certain extent, like there, I think there are bigger challenges for certain defensive lines than others. So for Drew Dahlman, I think it's just finding that consistency and like knowing, yes, you're going to get beat against, you know, sometimes the Derrick Browns of the world, but, trying to limit that when you do play teams like the Browns where you can take advantage of some matchups. Follow her on Twitter at Tori underscore McElhaney. Tori joins me on the waitfor.com hotline. She, of course, covers Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. Tori, as always, appreciate it. Have fun. Happy uh, Thanksgiving to you and the family, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Absolutely. Sounds good. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours as well. You got it. John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio 99 The Game, Odyssey.com app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? 
Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.